When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. miserable and soaking wet Glasgow as it turns out what the weather does is completely related to how good or bad an old firm game is so as today that's, that's how, what happens so I'm absolutely soaked um, we are very thankfully hosted in Tom Watt's lovely one flat in the south side hello Tom Watt hello and we also have uh, because we've had the old firm game as well we've also got our tame old firm fan with as well so we've got Stevie done with us today Graham hello Hello Stevie, how are we? I'm going to have to stop you there and say there is no old firm, so you're going to have to uh, give us some of that Patreon money. I wasn't, I wasn't sure whether there was going to be no old firm or whether you were going to insist that you weren't actually tame. Either way worked for me really, so it really was just set up there for us. Um, as mentioned, as has been mentioned across the Scottish game over the past couple of days, there was indeed a Rangers v Celtic game or an old firm game depending on which, which way you really want to describe that. Um, so I suppose we'll get jumped straight into that so we can get on to the other stuff afterwards. As we saw Celtic uh, take all three points at Ibrox for the first time in a season uh, with goals from Odson Edward and Johnny Hayes very late on and a red card for Jordan Jones. Uh, where do we want to get started on this one? Well, I just want to say first off, thanks a lot for having me back. Now I know that you tried to get Harry Clark on after the shout out last week and I know he wasn't available so here I am. Um, I'm going to start right before the game yesterday. Uh, was it my... Watching it with my uncle and granddad, as I usually do. And always the Rangers team has always seemed to be around first before the Celtic one when you see it online. And when I saw that Rangers team, I said to the pair of them, this game's won, this is in the bag. I think when you want to start on it is that the pre-match, the selection, because it's something that I think if Gerard does indeed uh, have a horrendous season, this is going to this is the catalyst for it, because that that starting lineup, I don't know even where to begin with how bad it was. It seemed a bit of an odd... It both made a lot of sense and made no sense at all to me in that he stuck with... this. Obviously, he's been switching between Europe and, uh, and domestic games with Morelos and Defoe. Morelos played very, very late on and ran himself into the ground midweek uh, against Legia Warsaw and then so obviously started Defoe. And to me, it made a bit of sense in that if you can get Julian and Beaton on the turn, then maybe you could do that. But the service was not there because there was no width in the team. Um, I'd just like to highlight as well that I want to get in first as the it seems like Ryan Kent is going to turn up back at Rangers once again and I just want to get in first and say that, that Stephen Gerrard definitely chucked the old firm game as a message to the board <laughs> to highlight to them that they desperately needed to spend £7 million on Ryan a Kent. G, a genius. It, it was a whopped shoot. 3D chess, really. Yeah, he's, he's, he's working in different... We're all, we're all living... In, you know, he's throwing the title to win the title. Yeah, Stephen Gerrard's living in the year 3000 <laughs> as opposed to the rest of us. Uh, but I just wanted to make sure that it's on record that I said it first. <laughs> I, want that, I want that take to be given to me um, but yeah, the, the complete lack of width in the team seemed a strange one, given that 
last year and both Ibrox games, Rangers benefited enormously from playing wide and getting up on top. And even the season before that, um, with Josh Windass playing mm-hmm. up top and Celtic's fullbacks got a lot of joy out of that as well. Yeah, and to move away from mm-hmm. it seemed, seemed a, an odd thing to do. It's not even that. Like, I mean, you're talking about a width. That's, that's what I said like, before, the bulimic supermodels were their width. <laughs> I mean. And at the pressing, there was none for whatsoever. Because uh, Celtic were victims last season twice at Ibrox because Scott Arfield was so crucial for Rangers pressing um, and they were more aggressive as well. Like they started off in the first five minutes, their tempo. It's the lack of Andy Halliday in the team is, is really harm, is really harming them at this point. They winning a tackle in the first couple of minutes, and again, as much as I'm joking about that, there was none of that. From, no, there from was me. none. But I saw it was quite interesting because I saw that um, it started the game. We kicked off and we booted it right into the pitch, and Neil Lennon was saying it's symbolic because he wanted to actually show we were taking the game to Rangers, which I found funny because Southern Hearts get slagged for doing that same thing, and I'm like, <laughs> nah. It wasn't. We were just trying to put them under pressure for the start. It wasn't a big high, mighty message. End of. It just depends whether or not you win the game. I think in that yes. respect, because if you win, if you win the game, you yeah. can say whatever, you, can say whatever like. you want. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. If you win the game, you can You're say right. what you like, and it becomes a bit. Everything becomes very important. Yeah, I mean, I think to to kind of pick up on your point with, about the width, I don't think it was just the width. I think there was a real lack of pace in the midfield as well. I mean, I think and and yes, you know, the, the Rangers team came in first, but when you compare it to the Celtic side, which. You know, a totally mismatched defence that had never played yes. together. I mean, I think what was it? There, the 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 goalkeeper and the four defenders, admittedly, Forsters come back, but have played 127 uh, games. Sorry, 138 games for Celtic. 127 of them were never beat on. <laughs> so they, they wow. ended the game like the total. The total. You know, the back five had played 12 games. Never heard this. Never heard this. Trevor anywhere. This. This is what I'm joining the terrace for. Incredible stuff. No, so, you're right. Mismatched. So you thought that there was a chance to get at that that, that defence, but the the players who were deployed in the middle, like yeah, there was no width and there was no service, but it looked even on paper from like you know any fan of football manager or anything like that, the, the mismatch in pace, yeah. and then as it turned out on the pitch, every time Celtic broke beyond either Kamara or Jack were, were caught too far up the pitch, there was acres of space beyond them. And then you've got the the thing that just stunned me was uh, Joe Arabo's not a left winger. He was punted out there, um, and he was just he was completely all over the place. I think I don't know if he'll be the same player after that. I know it's it's an easy or a lazy thing to say. Well, I mean he did look bereft of confidence. I know in the second half he created a couple of wee things, but that game passed him by. Um, the first half was was sort of it wasn't quite sort of Umar Sadiq levels of incompetence, but it's it's that sort of gate of that uh-huh. that sort of that sort of ballpark of just having no like he didn't know how to play there, so. Yeah. I sticking him out that I, I made absolutely a number of times I've seen Aribo this season I've, I've thought he's looked very good sticking him out there just did absolutely no favours to anyone I know at the same time um, you know I have got to still give credit to Celtic they, had, they turned up with a game plan they stifled yeah. Rangers to frustrate them I thought the game management we deployed was excellent I thought that what I liked as well just wee things like the way we stayed down we wasted time and I know it's it's not a Celtic way or whatever, fine. But winning winning games, winning games, exactly. It's it was a horrible way, and it was a terrible game of football, if truth be told. But we went there to frustrate, stifle, um, and just what Rangers into a shoot, and we did it. And and you, it was confident you, on that as well. The, the real highlight of that was uh, bowling goalie lying on the ground and you could see him in the camera and be like I'm alright I'm alright I'm alright and then stay down for another three minutes following that <laughs> while like, we were 1-0 up though well, of course exactly when you're 1-0 yes. up you can again when you're winning it just you takes the sting right out it because it, the ball was in Rangers at uh, about half as well Rangers were on the attack and we just nullified that completely yeah I mean I think there's, there's almost like there's two ways to be utterly dominant in a yeah. game one is like like Motherwell were against Hibs where it, you know, it was three going on six and just looked like they were steamrolling them and could have scored more at any point or there's one where you're just basically like holding them by the head at arm's length and giving them a kick every time you want and it was the latter it was controlled it didn't look like it was getting away from them at any point and it looked like at any moment it could boil over and you know ultimately it, it, it did and there was a red card but it just looked like like you said the game management was, was spot on and as you said that, that, that back four are unlikely this is kind of the first certainly the first time they'd all played together is there any chance that that back four or that back five even will ever play together again for Celtic as well <laughs> mm. I, 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 I mean I don't I mean well we've got the international break coming up now I mean, it's, it's probably it's came at the best time for us now yeah. full of confidence worst time for Rangers they're going to be dwelling on that but I to answer your question 
I doubt it because we have Ayer back, we'll Simunovic back, and I mean Lennon can probably see that back four and go well it worked, so I can play it again if as a last resort. But I don't think if he's got everyone fit, he'll want to do that again. You know, it was just a lot like I watched the the result and the performance was a lot like um, the game we beat Rangers two 0 the Salmon ass game. We were disjointed. Rangers were heavily fancied to smash us, and we were all we had a disjointed team. Difference is that day we were genuinely underdogs, whereas yesterday we still went in as champions, and Rangers somehow underestimated us, and it was again they it was they beat themselves as well yeah. as us beating them. And again, even earlier this season, I keep going back to the, the first sort of half an hour, and I realise it was just the first half an hour of the Celtic Motherwell game, but Celtic couldn't get out of their own half at that point, and Brown. I know we've got we've gone over this a hundred times saying that Scott Brown's reaching the point where he mm. where he's where he's passed. At some point we will be right on this. If yes. we keep saying it, eventually we'll be right. But in that game, he really struggled with the pace of the game because it was Alan Campbell continually just getting on top of him over and over mm. and over. Every time he turned, Campbell was there to smash him, and there was no one in the in the Rangers midfield, despite having all of those central midfielders on the park at one time, not one of them looked close to getting getting close to the Brown. The number of times Brown just sort of stepped away from people. As much as as much criticism as Brown gets from the player that he could have been, the player that he might be, the player he's still a captain of what will go down in history as one of the greatest Celtic sides of all time. And has still got a, I mean he must have a hernia every time he lifts up his big sack of medals at the end of the day as well. And games like games like yesterday are games where he really turns up and shows up in a way yeah. that nobody else in that Celtic side can lead in that way. And I think what you saw yesterday was it real, what it really did boil down to yesterday was again a case of a winning mentality and a team with Rangers with a team who they still haven't won anything and that's what it goes to show in a game that they really had to you know stamp, uh, stamp their authority on it and lay down a marker it was the winners that did it yeah. and yet again Rangers and the loser mentality were just all too plain to see My my own real disappointment from the whole thing as well is that the Legia Warsaw fans left neither that banner stuffed down the back of the toilets, not Arthur Boruch stuffed down the back of the toilets, because I think either of those being presented at the start of the game, halfway through the game, just lifting up Arthur Boruch with, with like a couple of stilts, either like that would really just set off the whole day for me. I think um, I think it's it's an interesting point that I mean partly it's like the nature of like the fragile nature of being either Rangers or Celtic manager, where you are like moments from crisis at any it's point. Shake or sugar at all yeah, absolutely at all times and. You know, Rangers have had a very good start to the season. Everything was very positive. Made the, the the group stages. You know, there was a real positivity. Now all the things that were just sort of, you know, tensions that were bubbling under now come back. For, I mean, he, he generally got criticised last season for not having a plan B. He this in this game in particular, but the, you look on the bench and you've got Halander, Morelos, Andy King, Jordan Jones, guys that can't like Oho Barisic, guys that can't get in the squad like. Greg Doherty, Barker, Hastie's away on loan, Greg Stewart, who would walk into almost any other side. And if you have that level of depth, what's the point if you can't change the game? And, like, you know, Celtic were great in the game management, they were great, but there is, theoretically, there was width available yeah. on the bench. There was players that you could have taken and, and would have changed the way that you were playing, and they didn't. Yeah, and everyone will say the same thing that we'll say in it. I don't think anyone will be able to really get to the bottom of it. You can get a team of top scientists to go to Stephen Gerrard. What were you playing at? And it would be, I'd be so mad to get an answer from that made sense because I don't think anyone, certainly even in this room, can understand it. I think just to add to that as well, it was something that I kept looking at with all the Rangers saying. I appreciate Stuart, Hasty, Barker, uh, Jones would all walk into any other Scottish Premiership side, but none of them are good enough to beat Celtic mm. on a day on a, on an individual day. Jordan Jones has shown that he can do things against Celtic previously. Greg Stewart can do things against Celtic previously on their day, but that's not what you, you don't. Rangers don't need players that mm-hmm. on their day can do it. They need players that can turn up every single week and do it. Mm-hmm. And as much as those are, as much as they are good players, and Gerard might get more of a tune out of them more consistently than other people did, other than Steve Clark. But for me, none of them are none of them are of that level. The the players that Celtic could bring on in the game, uh, and, and the players that Celtic did bring on in the game. All are just better players. You just saw, you just saw when Cham came on. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that is uh, was getting slaughtered by our home support, our entire support. Wanting away, people were saying, "Get rid of him." He's a piece of shit. All this and all that because he was he was the whole want away star. Yeah. Come and get me, play all that nonsense. 
And then in the last few games, he has just been excellent. Um, just him sprinting away from James Tavernier is one of the funniest things I've seen this season just so far. Just the way that players just bounced off him. He held the ball up well. He knew when to release it. He was excellent when he came on. And Rangers don't have a player. Just I mean, Cham is a, it's mad. It's frightening that he's not even a, a guaranteed starter for us. Whereas if for Rangers, he would be the the best player in the pitch for them yep. every week. I, so. I, think, I think almost to take that back to the, the previous point, that I think Rangers have had a very, very good window and we'll touch on some of the players that they've brought in. They've brought in a lot of players, but they, you know, the, some of the quality on the bench is from you know, like Andy Kent bringing a player like that. Who, you know, he, yeah, he's not the best. He's not the player he was a couple of years ago, but he wouldn't be there if he was. He's still got a lot of experience, still an international, and he's not that old. Um, being able to bring in players like you know like Hellander for a couple of million pounds when there are glaring like why is Flanagan still playing <laughs> left back Man. when and especially when you're you're leaving you know like players in front of him who are are also out of their natural position like Flanagan was you know was never short of effort but he was coming up receiving the ball and, and must have been been asked to hit the byline but was could only cut inside because that's all he can do yeah. and when you have major major holes in the team like that that looked like they, they, they'd they isolated and, and pinpointed as real weaknesses then you know you're, you're only as good as your weakest link Excellent uh, that's more than enough of that I think so <laughs> we shall move on we'll head to the North East where uh, Derek McInnes's uh, tragedy and dis- and disaster is now over after pumping Ross County three nothing at Petardry. Goes from Greg Lee, Sam Cosgrove getting another one, and Ryan Hedges as well. So, yeah, the the Dandy Dons are back, not back. Really positive. It's, it's difficult to tell. It's very difficult to tell. I mean, I think it was a really good game for McInnes to get in in any number of reasons. Ross County were horrible. And even when given chances, you know, they had a penalty that they hit the post with. Um, but they just didn't look at the races at all. They were they were defensively suspect. They were very lucky to only lose by the by the three. I think it was the first time probably this season that with with the exception of, of Scott McKenna, uh, McKenna's got to play certainly ten of the eleven players that he would ideally like to um to have out at any one time. And um, and just in the run into the to the international break, getting a, a very winnable game against a very poor opponent at home, and giving you know Bryson got more minutes than he's had, I think what 50, 60, 60 odd minutes. Um, McGinn had a good game. Ryan Hedges had the best game he's had so far, and at a time when there's a bit of grumbling, when but when a, a new signing. Can not only leave Rich Foster on his arse uh, <laughs> on the way, but also like make him look a bit stupid for the third goal. And that's and it. It, it, there's it, no love yeah, lost for, <laughs> for if, if you're going to turn things around, but let's start off with just everyone pumping Ricky for yeah, it. Get, get, get the ball out there and uh, start taking the piss because that seems the important thing to do. And I, I do agree with you on the certainly on the team front. It suddenly looks an awful lot more solid of an Aberdeen team. Um, it's just a shame again as is often the case at Aberdeen that this has happened three weeks after Aberdeen have gone out of Europe mm. um, and that, that 11 come Christmas you would imagine will be rock solid and will be very good uh, Craig Bryson at that midfield alongside Ojo and Ferguson is going to improve all three of those players is going to make all three of those better and every time I see Greg Lee I get more and more impressed by him um, I wondered very much I think a lot of people did what Aberdeen were going to do in the, the absence of Max Lowe as they finally signed a left back that wasn't Andy Considine yeah. um, last season, and just a case of where 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 are they going to go from there? But he seems to have just slotted straight in uh, and looks very good in there. Viner looks entirely capable at right back as well. So maybe Shea Logan can move on from just winding up Celtic fans and actually <laughs> getting better at football. Um, I've never been totally convinced by the idea of, of, of players desperately needing competition within a squad in order to be good. If you're good, you're good. Yes. That's fine, you, you maintain your own standards. But Shea Logan seems to have been lost a little bit in terms of being dressed up like Scott Brown to go and stag do's and whatever else. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's find yourself a little bit a, a little bit of time in there as well. Um so what's the do we just assume that Aberdeen from now on are gonna to continue to return to being flat track bullies and, and beat say eight out of ten eight out of twelve teams in the in the, in the league <laughs> quite pro- 
the love and remaining teams quite easily. I I, I think that it, it would be fair to assume that the, the squad is good enough to do that, and they did give there was good enough. There's enough indication that that they could do that. I think it's like it's it's kind of hard to say because it has been so disjointed, and they have they haven't got up to speed, and they you know they still weren't up to speed um, even on Saturday. Um, they've they've had an easy start to the season as much as you can have an easy start to the season um, you know Kelly away might be tricky but Aberdeen win that game every single time <laughs> so it's not that tricky Hearts at home and that seemed to be a tricky opening day fixture but Hearts are absolute garbage so it, it, you know that that game in an isolation doesn't really count for for a huge amount. Um, St Mirren, that the, the game that they lost and didn't turn up in Ross County, and then I think that the coming two fixtures are both against sides that were in the the bottom six last season. Um, so they have had a relatively theoretically easy start to the season. There sh- there is enough in the squad to go back to to kind of hustling and bullying their way through things I think so much will depend on Bryson because um, one of the things that's been lacking in, in these games is people taking the midfield by the, the scruff of the neck that hasn't been Ferguson partly because he's 20 partly because mm-hmm. he's sometimes been a 10 sometimes he's been sitting in front of the defence it's, it's just missing that body that Graham Shinney was in yeah. there yeah uh, and, and Ojo is very neat in the ball and you know, it's definitely evolved the way we're trying to play of all the way Aberdeen are trying to play um, he, he looks for passes he's like a, a kind of an upgrade on what Willow Flood was just a bit more a bit more going on upstairs um, which doesn't look, that, as, doesn't doesn't look as frightening either <laughs> still say though if Aberdeen do if Cosgrove gets an injury or goes right out of form I mean they will struggle I think because of the, I mean I know that Hedges got his mm. goal and they actually scored for Cosgrove got his customary penalty as well but I still think as well that they need him to be, if they want to, as you're saying, be bullies. Mm. He has to still be scoring at least every week, every second week, because mm-hmm. you struggle to see, unless where they're playing an absolute jobber, where the yeah. goals are really going to come from. Well, see, it's difficult because I'm still not completely... I'm, I'm like the 1% of Aberdeen supporters who's still not totally sold on Sam Cosgrove as yeah. his goal machine. He gets a lot of penalties and he is night and day from the player that he was... Uh, you know, and the, the sort of physical side of, of things, I, I think, you know, that side of, of it, his game, we'd really miss. But he misses a lot of chances. He, he misses an awful lot of chances. And I think one of the reasons that I wasn't terrified at the prospect of Curtis Main as the backup is he's basically the same sort of player who's going to miss a lot of chances. Yeah. And given penalty, like a lot of Cosgrove's goals are penalties. You know, he's a good six-yard box striker, but I think interest from Lazio is slightly, slightly premature. Take, my, take just, my money. Just for the patterns more than anything, <laughs> I was of, of absolutely diving straight onto that. Um, do Ross County need to worry a little bit? Yeah. Um, after what was a what was really a really positive start for them, um, which again makes no sense because you're back to Hamilton Aki, so we'll come on to it in a little bit, who continue to baffle and fail to make any sense whatsoever but again they, they look to sort of solidify the team a little bit and still got absolutely run over by by, by Aberdeen as well with moving away from Joe Chalmers in central midfield seemed like a, a fairly smart move um, I understand why they did that because it worked very well in the, early, in the first couple of games so continue with that until it doesn't now it doesn't work so you then need to start looking at other ways in which you can win games and I'm not I think it's, uh, the addition of Richard Foster to, to the team is very good as well because at fullback they're very very weak. Sean Kelly's, with the greatest respect to the guy, not a, not not a a top flight level uh, fullback for them, and I'm not totally convinced they've got enough of a squad to change it um, at this period. I think they, they've brought in Ewan Henderson mm-hmm. today as well, who it's a good sign. He is a very nice player as well, but again, he's talent, small face. <laughs> Big ears. <laughs> Ian Henderson's a cracking player, but they'll need to. I mean, for him to shine, they'll have to have the ball a hell of a lot as yeah. well. Because Ross, Ross County, sorry, do chase games. Um, so for you to get the best out of him, it's not when they're chasing games. They have to have him on the ball, um, playing killer passes. Because seeing the, the limited amount of times he's played for Celtic, 
stood out a lot. Yeah, Mike's obviously dynamite, yeah. but like you say, he's very, very young. He's very, very slight. He's gonna need somebody big. He's gonna need a big bruiser to stand Although beside I him. I do think when Celtic loaned them Jackson off into Kilmarnock, I remember thinking he's going to have trouble there, and he ended up going and standing yeah. up completely for him. So um, hopefully he can do the same there, but it'd just benefit us as well. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I think just the uh, if they, if Draper can get fit again into that midfield, then it immediately gives them the, gives the impression that they might be more solid in there, just because he's a big brute of a boy. Um, but I think they, they, they need to get him back sooner rather than later, really. Um, so moving on to Tynecastle, the theatre of booze. Um, They're actually saying boo era. <laughs> uh, as it ended up, Hearts 2, Hamilton 2. It goes from Sean Clare and Christoph Buera. Um, and a double from, from George Oakley for, for Hamilton as well. Um, anything other to say other than just booing? Um, or are we just going to continue to boo for for three minutes about Hearts <laughs> in order to to ingratiate ourselves with the, with the Hearts support? The, the first the first Livingston equaliser. Every time I watch it, I think there's no way possible. Like there's no way Oakley's getting to that. Like there's just there's, I watched it like ten times. Like just fascinated to find the point that they lose control of it. Yeah, and you you're like that. No, no. No, it's like the bit if you're listening to uh, In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins waiting for the drum part to come in and you always get it wrong because you always come too early or too late it's like that it's like that moment you're like there's no he's still got the ball he's still got the ball it's going back to the goalkeeper leave it and then no yeah, you excuse it. my tears here because there's a full, any mention of Phil Collins sets me off to him, so, um, in tears here um, um, I mean it's, things start it seemed to be a really positive first half for Hearts hmm. they weren't booed off at half time for the first time in several weeks um, a really, it's a terrific run from Craig Halkett, who's gone from being just around the corner of being in the Scotland squad to apparently just around the next corner yeah, yeah. of being in the Scotland squad because we're going to take Mikey Devlin, who can't play two games in a week, <laughs> and take him rather than Craig Halkett, who's been consistently high level and never gets injured over the period of about a year and a half. I mean, there's almost a serious argument, though, that had he stayed at Livingston, he would be in the squad because <laughs> he wouldn't be playing for the team at the bottom of the league. True, yeah. very true. But Craig Halkett's busting run from, yeah. from central defence um, in a very unhearts way, yeah. uh, playing in Sean Clare with a lovely finish in there as well. Again, really, really positive first half. Hearts seem to be knocking the ball around really well. And then just that fragility that Hearts seem to have just now of, of of going a goal down and immediately just looking a bit panicked about everything, and then finally digging yourself out. Better gets over a sort of digs out his, his previous error to go ahead, and again, I, I, I don't, I don't understand how have Hearts spent the how the Hearts of a squad of about forty players are still rubbish at playing football. It's a strange one, I have to say, because when I saw that result, I thought. And then I saw videos afterwards um, on social media with the reaction. I thought, right, this will be the one right after it. <laughs> Levine's definitely got definitely going right. Okay, I've, I've maybe had my spent a bit too long here. And then he's still coming out with that same old actual we'll, we'll be fine next time. We'll learn from it, and it's the same old excuse. He's a. I can't get my head around why he's not just like, you know, Ambudge doesn't go. Come on, time to go. Because I don't think they're going to improve. I think you're going to continue to see. Hearts team see if they win their next game their next two games they'll lose they'll draw and it's going to be a really uncomfortable pattern and it's, they're not but it's what they have they shouldn't be anywhere near that yeah. been, what's that now no wins no league wins in 11 I think and f- four four league wins in 2019 and one of those was against Dundee yeah, at the end of the season I think, um, I think they're now up to 13 points out of the last 63 available which is not great there's no excuses for it no and you know the next two games are against Motherwell who've been a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team but look set up to there's a a plan yeah Yeah. I mean they they will run they have pace they have all this you know they've got like a Motherwell have a directness about them whereas Hearts don't Hearts Hearts have not been able to I don't even know what Hearts have because when I see them sometimes I think sometimes they the, the, the game that summed them up for me this season was the one against the, the cup game against Dundee United at home when I thought on paper that was a, a very strong, strong aye it's a strong team but when you saw them they, they, there's no uh, creativity and they, they understanding each other in the park and they just looked totally lost and out of ideas and they've continued that type of performance so I think, I mean, and I think there there can't be any more excuses for Craig Levine because he's in this like particularly 
unique position that he's got where he over, oversees all parts of the football operation. He's, to some extent, I mean, they've been incredibly unlucky with injuries. Yeah. But to some extent, you keep getting those injuries that fall under your remit as this is a football issue. And, you know, maybe they're all freak injuries, but there, there does need to be something that, you know, that falls under your remit. Try and maybe there's something, some issue with physiotherapy or, you know, how people are training or something like that. Maybe not, but that side of it has been a, a big issue. Recruitment has been horrendous. I mean, the guys like, you know, Naismith, Whelan, Damore, Washington... All brought in or re-brought in this summer will be on significant sums of money, and if you recruit those kind of guys from where they're coming from on the money that they're on, and you are not able to to do anything with them or to you know to change a pattern of play and get overrun the way that they are, then huge questions need to be asked. I mean, they've got like I say, it's between thirty and forty first team players, yes. and there just doesn't seem to be any cohesion or any of the like any one of the three jobs that Greg Levine uh, oversees at the moment he's not doing a good job with any of them On Halton Aki's though I, I again continue to be impressed by, by Lewis Smith who genuinely as if he was, he'd, he'd put uh, Eddie White in a spin, yeah. spin cycle at one point he was proper sort of breaking ankles with that which was very enjoyable to watch but as well as that more than anything Aki's turning up at Tynecastle Going four four two, two proper out and out centre forwards in Ogbo and Oakley. I mean, Brian Rice is either a maniac or a genius, and I, 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 it seems that even from not even week to week, but even sort of half to half in games, seems seems to sort of bend that around. I've always really liked Ogbo um, as a sort of big unit of a centre forward. Again, just a big bastard, um, which I've got all the time. I, I say that I say that with nothing but respect for the man. <laughs> Um, but just him and Oakley up top, just if if Aki can figure out the other eight players to stand behind them, including possibly even having a couple of real life centre halves in there and some real life fullbacks, which Aki's having a left back and a right back playing at left back and right back. I think if you go back over the past three or four seasons, you'd be counting that on the number. I think you'd be counting the number of occasions they've actually managed that on one hand. Um, but with Eastern on one side and McGowan on the other side, there's a bit of balance there. Alston. Is always going to continue to give a little bit of cover or a little bit of play, whatever he is. It's, he's excellent. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, good. If I, you know, I keep swinging about on this, but they, they, that was as, as competent a performance from them turning up at Tynecastle and looking confident and playing decent football as well was very, very good from them. But I think one of the things that Aki's have got and that you know they've got to have an immense amount of credit for it. Is that over the course of a season, they're like their target is thirty to thirty-two points, whatever you know. Yeah. And they've now got four points from four games. They're you know batting above their average with that. So it, it, they never take. We've said it before. They like they get hounded in some games, but they bounce back from it. They go six games without a, a point, and it doesn't really matter because they just <laughs> will win two random ones. Whereas the teams that they are up against, and they you know they will be down there or thereabouts in a relegation battle but the teams round about them will get into a tailspin at some point they will get thrashed and they will lose confidence they will lose sight of this being a 38 game season rather than you know you just need to build momentum where you can and like I say they're, they're balanced Smith looks like a really smart player who with a, with a big future Alston has transformed that midfield which is Wild thing to say, but he it, like he, he he just seemed to give them a cohesion, and in the second half in particular, he was just like running the midfield on his own, and they've turned George Oakley from a sort of five or six goal Scottish Championship striker to a very important seven or eight goal Scottish Premiership striker. So you know, there's 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 a lot to like. Just every one of Oakley's goals last year. Uh, I, I meant to check this before we came in to start recording, but I'm pretty sure every one of his goals last year grabbed them. It was either the winning goal or the point or the goal that got them a point out of a game. And now every time he scores for them at the weekend, scoring two goals, getting them a point, you're gonna, I do get the feeling at the end of the season you look back and they go, again, there's another vital pair of goals from George Oakley from, as you say, from nothing, which yeah, made no yeah. sense at all. So, yep, good on Aki's as well there. Uh, we will head to the, the other side of Lanarkshire as Motherwell uh, absolutely thumped to Burnley in 3-0 mm-hmm. um, and 
I gather uh, Stephen Whitaker is still trying to put his blood back in the right direction <laughs> as he looked like he had as horrible a day as it's possible to have as a fullback. Yeah, I mean, it looked, certainly from, from the highlights, like an absolute pumping. It looked like Hibbs didn't know what to do at all and it also looked like whether by design or very early on they were aware of the fact they could target Whitaker and he didn't know what to, he was getting... Like Sadoff was 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 cutting in on his right over and over again, was like stretching it when he and just no one was no one was closing down shots. No one knew what to do. The defense was all over the place, and uh, yeah, Motherwell sort of pulled them apart. I think we were about kid as well was that he killed that myth where people say oh, experience will get you through games and I mean he's got all bags <laughs> over, but I did. I know what you're saying. I watched that and he was all over the place. He had no answer to anything the Motherwell threw at him. Which is, I mean, it, more than anything, it was just good fun to see. I got a text from my, my dad at the game after about 15 minutes. We, like, we, might, retire, we might retire Stephen Whitaker today. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Here we go! Um, and yeah, Hibs just looked absolutely all over the place. And again, it's, I thought it was quite telling that in the in the, in the the 11 that Hickingbottom put out, or perhaps a bit telling, the 11 that Hickingbottom put out, very few of his, his own bodies in there. And Jackson... And uh, Middleton are the only two that were sort of heads that he brought in. Obviously, Alan arrived in the summer, but that was very much a Neil Lennon signing. Uh, so can Berry sort of restored to a centre forward position for the first time in a wee while as well. Whereas all of his guys that he brought in were on the bench. None of them came on either. It's a bit of a worry, is it not? Yeah, I mean, I think so. He's he's been he's been afforded a budget to to redo the squad. Um, I don't think it's it, and it's not just the personnel it looked when he first arrived like he liked to play a certain way it, that and that kind of fitted with, with how he played uh, with how his teams had lined up in, in the Championship in England um, if anything they looked a bit open they looked a bit too attacking um, but he's now seemed to have moved around but like you say, I think what all there were five five on the bench that he brought in over the summer. None of them got uh, got on. He switched between you know four four two diamond midfield, a three man. Uh, and they were more of a they they, got, they went man for man for Motherwell against Motherwell, which seems daft anyway, considering the personnel involved in in both teams yeah. and how Motherwell's midfield is so full of running. And yeah. like high, a high pressure game, and the, the, the hips just don't have the. It's, it's, almost, it's almost like he viewed the end of last season as kind of like a free hit. So let's, let's yeah. just have a go. Like we're, we're, we yeah. finished top six, we finished bottom six. Doesn't really matter because it wasn't me. I didn't do it, yeah. so I can kind of do whatever I want. Whereas this season, he seems to have gone to be very conservative with it. And again, like I was saying about Hearts, there doesn't feel like there's a plan. Or mm. a, a, it's not like a case of well, we're working on this, and this is where we're going. The Motherwell team, particularly, I've said this a couple of times, it, with guys like uh, Seedorf and Hilton on the wings coming in and out, um, and even playing Scott out in the wings as we're doing just now, it all feels very, very much like we have a very set plan. We're going to play roughly a four-three-three. Scott's going to be in one wing, and Seedorf's going to be the other, or Hilton's going to be there, or one of the, there's going to be, or we maybe stick a Devante Cole out there as well. We've bought personnel, or we've signed personnel with a view of playing this system. And each of the players we've brought in need a bit of work to them, they need a bit of polishing to them, and that Sadoff doesn't look quite fit enough and he is quite naive on the ball as well. Hilton, again, not quite fit enough, but he's got great feet, he's got great ability with the ball at his feet, so again, there's something to work with there. Polworth needs a bit more fitness in his game, he needs a bit he needs to do a bit more sort of graft in terms of he's tracking back in the ball. Liam Donnelly, who for some reason is, is going to win top scorer, it was uh, Phil Speedy on the, the first park after he scored his penalty, he was highlighting that Liam Donnelly's the top scorer in the league, in Scotland, possibly Europe, probably the world. He's got 8-8 eight and eight for a guy that's a right-back, sort of centre-half, who's playing as a central midfielder. Prior to this season, he averaged a goal every 1,884 minutes. <laughs> 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 Do you know what you're mad at? Well, yeah, on the slides, I've seen, but the difference with Motherwell and Hibs is the players Motherwell have brought in and even the way they play Motherwell have got a system and they know how to play yeah. they have a style they've got a style where you know what they are they're hard runners um, they're direct they're quick and you know that you have to be you know right on the ball with them 
with Hibs I don't know again, yeah. just like Hearts they've not got a style they've got nothing they're all over the place and see um, there's just bodies here there and everywhere if somebody was to tell me that Marciano had a contract in the past with Sports Direct because he's dodgy as fuck I would not be surprised because I thought the first and the third goals here yeah. was terrible for right, him right and, and again against St Johnston I thought Marciano was, was poor with I think O'Halloran's goal um, he's went downhill and a lot of the Hibs players especially the defence have just regressed so much and we said it last week when I was on that the, the, I mean the results by the results first but the performance was just as bad if so it was and again the Heckenbottom really needs two, a run of two or three wins to get back inside because the international break just like for Rangers it's came at the worst time for all these teams yep whereas again for Motherwell from my perspective absolutely delighted yeah. in terms of the players International break falls at just the right time for Motherwell as well. Um, there's not a huge number of the players away. Um, there's a couple of guys away with the, with the, the, the lower levels, of the younger levels of the Scotland team, and Liam Donnelly, Ballon d'Or, away with Northern Ireland as well. Um, but again, it's perfect for them because it means that the players, that, as I say, the players that need a bit of work, particularly on fitness, they've got two weeks to get to work on fitness. It allows Sadoff, it allows Hilton to spend some time just getting getting time in their legs and getting them up to that. They now know after the first set of games, it's not going to be like Morton every week. It's not going to be like that. It's not going to be against pub teams because sometimes we need to play teams that aren't Hibs as well. But you now know the intensity that's required. You know that's what's what's anticipated of you as a player. Paul Worth was saying as well that it's the first time he'd been given sort of direct responsibility of yeah you'll train but then also this is the stuff you need to be doing in the gym these are the extra work that you need to be putting in and he was saying he's, he's loving it he's loving the extra responsibility because it's not the first time he's had to do it but he's saying like I've got my plan and I'm really enjoying working through it I'm getting stronger I'm getting better I'm getting fitter which allows me to play longer and harder in the game so yeah really really I'm, I'm delighted with how we're looking at this moment in time um, so we move on to uh, Livingston who collected another three points remain undefeated um, a point off Rangers in third place we go from Alan Lithgow and Lyndon Dykes before Kyle McGuinness got one back for St Mirren um, what Livingston again what what constitutes success for Livingston this season is it a case of Livingston have to stay up and that's success or do Livingston I know it's very early but they started off this this way last well once Holt came in like, rather than they started off once Holt came in this was the sort of series of results they were having they just didn't lose games and top six looked a possibility are we underplaying Livingston at this point in terms of once they got past Christmas they very much looked like lads we are safe mm-hmm. this year can they go a little bit further can they push it for a top six finish um, I think they can I still think success for them is staying up especially seeing you know the number of players they lost and the key players they lost yeah. in the summer when it looked like they didn't, and, and you know, players that had been there for a long time that knew the system, that knew the way they played, and they had to recruit a lot of new bodies in. Um, it's been a big, I mean, the, the, it's been a huge surprise they've been able to, and not just in the league, you know, they've I think they've won seven from nine games in all competitions, they've not lost at any, uh, any match so far this season. Um, it was a big reworking job, uh, in the summer, so I think still. Even though they've started strongly, success, inverted commas, success is still staying in the division. Um, but given how poorly some other teams have started and how they look, then this season they really should look to you know like get secured by the end of September, like they did September <laughs> October last year when they were they were pretty much safe and kick on from there and you know they they do look a little bit more they look like a bit of an evolution from from last season they've they've done well in the transfer market I think I mean Marvin Bartley at Hearts looked completely done he has had he's got less responsibility at Livingston but does what he's asked to do very well um, Lyndon Dykes has been a surprise because I didn't think there was an awful lot to I was uh, surprised uh, he, he stepped up as well as he have but again if you ask him to only do the things that he's good yeah. at Lyndon go and play as a centre forward and just do the things that you're good at right okay no problem absolutely uh, and uh, Lithgow's found a, a, like a totally new level uh, so far this season. He's been absolutely amazing. And and Sauda, we've said before, he yeah. looks like a real fan and, and a bit more dynamic and direct than some of the players. I just want to say I absolutely loved Sauda's uh, assist uh, for was it the, the second goal, which came off his head, off his shin, and then directly into Alan Lithgow <laughs> as well. Absolutely, I was, I was, no, sorry, off his head, off his shin, and then directly to Chris Erskine, who played it across to the goal. I, 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 what was it? 
I don't know what the statistic would be for like an, an XAA or something like that, like a, an accidental assist. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, the way it just sort of pinged off three parts of his body directly to someone else's toe. I'm going to claim that he meant it because <laughs> it's impossible to see any any way otherwise. Uh, St Mirren, uh, we we said after the last one, the, the first three games were anything they got out of them was a bonus. It's a hard run. The next three games are the ones that really to judge them on. Do we judge them on losing losing Livingston at Livingston? I think it's harsh because Livingston were a home form. They're a hard team to beat on that as well documented surface yeah. as well. Livingston are always going to be I think the majority of games Livingston are going to, especially against the bottom six, you're gonna look at them as favourites just with that home form. So I think Simmer and going there was a tough ask of them. I mean winnable, yeah, yeah. but not the end of the world for them. So I still saw Livingston as the favourites for it. But for the next two games I believe they're at home. And you should be picking up six for six for the teams are playing definitely. Yes, uh, I, I really enjoy. Uh, sorry, the the way the way Ross it's Ross County away and then uh, Hamilton and Hearts at home. Right. Um, so that looks like six points out of nine at the very least. Um, that's definitely including Hearts. Hearts, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was good as well of us to uh, after spending the last week bombing up Sean McLaughlin that he completely forgot how to be a defender this week as well. So. <laughs> Thanks for listening, Sean. I really appreciate that, and it's uh, it's really good to know that, that you're uh, supporting us in that yeah, way. It's a very big shout out as well because I heard that during the Livingston game they were playing the wonderful ballad "Come On Livingston" as well. <laughs> which when I, I had to hear that, I don't know if that's just because I've been burning it up so much, but I just like to say Livingston. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and that, then we'll move on to our, our final game just to finish off, as Kilmarnock took the first three points of the season uh, at St Johnston with uh, my good close personal friend Stephen O'Donnell uh, netting after running <laughs> about half a marathon as far as from, from no the goals he's used to score just, just, just keep to, running just, he's got to run he's the, the perfect example of just of having, if you have a great work rate it'll get you there just, yeah. it'll get you there in one way or another but uh, running the entire length of the pitch and then continuing to keep running and taking about eight touches before going in uh, delighted for him as always um, but yeah it's Interesting from from Kilmarnock as well. It's uh, a Kilmarnock team which suddenly has. We've been waiting all summer for Kilmarnock to finally make some signings. Um, they finally do, and then they start picking up some points as well. Well, I think it was good as well, and I think you were saying last week, but it could be the draw against Aberdeen was it a kickstart for Alessio, yeah. um, and it was a good result away because I know St Johnston have had a poor start mm-hmm. as well, but to go to McDermott Park, keep a clean sheet and get the three points I think it's a good one for them especially with the pressure and the scrutiny he was under as well um, I really I love this celebration at the end as well because I don't know there seems that as we've said a few times the, the criticism of him seems entirely unfair but the way in which he reacted to the fans the way that which the fans reacted to him possibly feels like a bit of a turning point for him I think we said last week as well that they're still doing the things that they were doing before just missing that break here and there and again, if you're going to call if you're going to call any goal a break, then I think I think the the, the one that they managed to net on Saturday would would absolutely be that. Um, and yeah, just the way in which they reacted so positively to it as well, I absolutely loved seeing that. Just a proper losing it towards it. Who's the the, the Italian lady from the World Cup going to the camera? Oh, Tardelli. Tar- Tardelli. Yeah. yeah, just Alessio doing his his best Tardelli impression in there as well it was very enjoyable. Um, and yeah, St Johnston continue to not win games. Yeah, that doesn't look great. But I thought it was interesting. I think it's the only time I've ever heard both managers describe the, the reaction in exactly the same. Both managers afterwards said we absolutely deserved this result. And exactly <laughs> for that I think that's like kind of quite telling that, that both of them said. Um, it's worrying for St Johnston. But it's not surprising, I think, given where they were a month ago. They've not had, you know, it's not been the easiest start to the season for them either, but where they were a a month ago and the fact that they are still trying to scramble together signings on... on on They they are a very... I'm trying to do my best to change the narrative of St Johnston of being St Johnston are old and boring. St Johnston are a very young team. There There are some very experienced players in there, but they are a very young team. And... Getting Dre right back in the side as well gives them just another option going forward, and there is a reason. It seems the fans still seem reasonably positive about everything. Obviously, getting Stevie May back in, and that everyone remembers him um, is a really important thing as well. Um, if he can recover even half the form that he was there and drop 
about three quarters of the form that he had at Aberdeen. If someone can help me with the fractions on that, that would be great. Um, if he can get anything at all close to what he was. But again, they suddenly have a, a plethora of forward options in Wright, O'Halloran, um, McCann and Kennedy in there, as well as well as the ever-present Chris Kane for one reason or another. Um, they seem to have a lot of different ways in which they can go forward. It's just a case of whether they can keep people out at the same time. I think the, there was a sort of palpable sense of positivity when, when May came on. Um, like you say, they're they're not, you know, remembering the player of the last couple of seasons, the, the, the player that left them four or five four years ago, um, and that that is something. And he and you know he he looked brighter. He put himself about a, a little bit more. They had kind of half-hearted shouts for a penalty, um, and there was a you know there was, it wasn't like there was a massive massive golfing class and they were totally mm-hmm. outdone. St Johnston just looked kind of short on ideas where Kelly look like they're just... I mean, I think one of the most impressive things from a, looking at it more from a Kelly perspective is Alessio's realised the shortcomings and they are playing very conservative football, very stuffy football, like power and... and but if it's, work, and if it's working, yeah. fair play. It's, exactly. It, yeah. and, and it's a platform to build on. If you can do that and... Everyone starts in bed. And they were like, what, 30 seconds away for the result against Rangers in the yeah. first yeah. day as well, so... Yeah, and again, I think... I'm actually... The player that I come on that I'm most looking forward to seeing is actually Liam, Liam Miller. Um, mm-hmm. In the sort of second half of last season, he looked like an exciting player mm-hmm. um, and was very much hoping that he came, he would come back to Kilmarnock and it, you saw the, the power of his running, which led to O'Donnell's goal there as well. It was a break right up the field, so... Yeah, really looking forward to seeing more of him and Craig Anderson was saying that their, their new lad, uh, Del Fabra... Mm-hmm who, without even... If I'd never seen Del Fabra before, I'd already have been, been excited because he sounds like a continental European self. And then I saw his hair, they're like, I am sold, I am done. <laughs> I'm now a Del Fabra guy. So he had a, a, Craig was saying a good game as well. So that rounds us off uh, for this week's action. Uh, we are going to nip off and do a, a quick transfer roundup on the, the Patreon, which you can subscribe to by visiting uh, patreon.com slash terracepodcast. Uh, thanks very much for joining us once again, Stevie. You're welcome, that's okay. Thanks very much, Tom, for hosting us in your, in your lovely warm home so I don't need to go outside anymore. It's <laughs> quite fun. And we will be back later this week. Thank you very much. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.